Israeli forces strike terrorist hotspots in the West Bank and the German government raids an Islamic center in Hamburg. Plus, the deal for Mideast billionaires to buy Manchester United Football Club is off. We'll tell you why. Welcome to Constable Confidential. I'm Simon Constable. Joining us today from Jerusalem is Ben Weinthal. He is an author at the Jerusalem Post and Fox News Media and a fellow at the Mideast Forum. And he's also writing for a lot of other places, too. Welcome, Ben. I hope you've been well this last week. Yes, Simon. Thanks for having me on the show again. Let's start with Israeli forces striking terrorist hotspots in the West Bank. This isn't exactly unexpected, but it is important. What's gone on? Well, there's been um, different terrorist cells from different uh, Palestinian groups, um, some of which are are explicitly aligned with Iran. Um, for example, the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, um, also Hamas, and um, Israel's largely raiding the the West Bank, or or as it's known in Israel, the the region of Judea and Samaria. Those are the biblical names of the the region that's commonly known as the West Bank, because uh, Israel wants to prevent a second front from opening up. Obviously, we've got one front right now in the south against uh, Hamas in the Gaza Strip, and a second front would be in the West Bank. Um, And uh, another front is in the north, and that hasn't opened up yet, and that would be against Hezbollah. So the idea is to knock out terrorism cells and arrest uh, Hamas supporters and Palestinian Islamic Jihad supporters and other some of other smaller terrorist uh, organizations in the West Bank. And there's been hundreds and hundreds of arrests of Hamas uh, supporters in the West Bank. Um, but right now there hasn't been a, uh, a full-blown um, insurrection uh, against or Israel in the West Bank. And it's a very expl- volatile situation. It, it, it is a very volatile situation. The, the, the whole of the Middle East would seem to be in a very volatile situation as well. Now, the West Bank is not only home to an Arab population, it's also home to settlers. And it's the West Bank of the River Jordan. And that's where the, the name comes from, I, I understand. But is that making it harder or easier for the Israel Defense Force to go and strike at these terrorist groups? Well, it's making it it's making it easier in the sense that um, Israel's working in a very um, uh, aggressive way to prevent uh, the second front from opening up. So the the idea is more of preventive medicine here uh, to preempt, uh, as I said, a a, um, a terrorist uh, flare up against Israel um, and and riots against uh, Israeli uh, residents of the West Bank and uh, IDF soldiers who are in that area. Um, it's Again, it's a very fluid situation, but it, it, it seems to be uh, somewhat under, you know, under control right now. But uh, things can, can change in a rapid fire way, as we, as we saw with Gaza, where all the so many experts claim that Gaza, including Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor to the, to President Biden, Biden claimed that things are stable and, you know, the intervention of the U.S. has brought about great stability 
with uh, the Gaza Strip, um, and this and, and this, by the way, was also being articulated by different folks in the Israeli uh, security and defense establishment. And that turned out to be uh, nonsense on stilts that the Gaza Strip was stable and that Hamas was no serious threat. And of course, it was a, a, a very serious threat and still is. And there is talk in the U.S. from the U.S. intelligence agencies that maybe Hamas will be preparing attacks on the U.S. mainland, which isn't a a very endearing thing for, for, for Hamas to do. They should just really stop and give up, in my, in my view. There's another interesting thing that's happened in Europe, which is in the country next door to where, where I am, which is France. The Germans, uh, German police raid an Islamic center in Hamburg on suspicion that it might be spreading propaganda. Can you explain exactly what went on here? Sure. And I would just note, because we're talking about uh, an Iranian regime-controlled Islamic center and uh, mosque, it's called the Blue Mosque in Hamburg, that Iran, I should have mentioned this when we discussed the West Bank, Iran is playing a highly dangerous role in the West Bank because it's supplying most of the weapons that are uh, being confiscated by uh, the Israeli security forces and that are being used by Palestinian terrorists in the West Bank. So Iran's uh, Iran is ubiquitous in terms of its terrorism right now. Um, yeah, and we should re- that, we should remind everybody that that almost every terrorist organization in the Middle East is funded or backed in some way by Tehran, the mullahs in Tehran. So that includes Hezbollah, Hamas, Islamic Jihad, and and others. Correct. And in in Hamburg. Um, the northern port city in Germany. Uh, there's, as I said, there's an Islamic center and a blue mosque. I've been there um, back when I was based in Germany. And it's a very, uh, it's a gorgeous uh, mosque. Uh, it was built during the uh, Shah's period. Um, the in, the, I believe, in the fifties or sixties. I need to check the exact date. But it, it, it started during the Shah's period, and then once the revolution in Iran. Uh, unfolded it, the the uh, Islamic Center was absorbed by the uh, the revolutionaries in the Islamic uh, Republic, and that Islamic Center has been a hotbed of Hezbollah support, and they've glorified um, Iranian regime terrorists at this Islamic Center. Um, so it's it's been sort of a um, a meeting place for. Iran and its chief proxy, Hezbollah, and other um, Islamists for years. And there's been efforts uh, to try to rope in the the anti-Semitism in the center, the, Isla- the radical Islamism, and the uh, you know Iranian ideology, but it's it hasn't led to a closure. Of so the, the but, but now the Germany's interior ministry outlawed all Hezbollah activities in 2020. And yet it's 2023 now, almost 2024, and yet that's still happening. What what did the police raid result in? What what happened when they raided the mosque? Right. I mean, you're right. Germany has outlawed Hamas and Hezbollah, but the, Germany doesn't uh, enforce its anti-terror laws. That's why there's 450 Hamas operatives in Germany, and there's 1,250 Hezbollah operatives, according to multiple German intelligence reports from this year. 
They raided on Thursday morning in the early hours. Uh, the German uh, police raided the mosque and the center and and, and a number of different other uh, entities across seven German states. Hamburg is considered a German city. Uh, the, the Hamburg is a city state. It's both a city and a state in Germany. And they confiscated uh, material, uh, laptops, computers, but uh, they did not, the police did not arrest anyone. Now, there's the thinking is that the the seizure of all this tech equipment and material will form the basis for a possible ban or, or closure of uh, the Islamic Center. But they already have, the Germans can already close the center without having to go through this uh, sort of what I would call a bit more of a political virtue signaling to tell the world, hey, we're actually doing something against Iran and uh, Hamas. But I should note, it took the Germans over 10 years to close the famous 9-11 mosque in Hamburg, where the 9-11 operatives launched their plan to uh, you know, crash planes into the World Trade Center and other locations, but, resulting but, in the deaths of 3,000 Americans. This, so the Germans, yeah. This must look, from the outside, this this looks pretty, pretty weak in, in many ways, because as far as I know, materials and laptops don't kill people. It's people who kill other people, and they are trying to do that, and that is what they're trying to step down on, basically, or, or crack down yeah. on. And it, and it would seem to me that you would, if you were raiding somewhere where there is possible evidence that there's been malfeasance or malfeasance is being planned, you would want to arrest people and at least question them. Yes, that's why you know Germany, Germany's foreign policy, and to, to a large extent its domestic policy, has been one of uh, the, what I call the politics of miscongeniality. Germany is really is quite reluctant to pick fights with individuals, and 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 that means uh, simply engaging in sort of a rhetoric that well we've banned Hamas, but we're not going to um, arrest or detain any of the four hundred and fifty operatives who uh, are in Germany. But Germany does like to pick fights with two countries. That's been my experience. And the, those countries are Israel and the United States. But they don't like to pick fights with uh, highly dangerous regimes like Iran and um, groups like Hezbollah that control uh, Lebanon. So it's it's a very dangerous, um, I think, a misguided uh, posture from not only this government, but also from when uh, during Merkel's tenure. Well, we actually have some good news to report today. The brilliant piece that you have written for focused on Western Islamism. And the headline is Qataris withdraw offered by UK football team. They're engaging in damage control. Explain what's gone on here. Of course, I think everybody uh, knows the name of the football team in question, possibly the most famous football team in the world, Manchester United. Right. Well, the there's a, a, it, what's interesting, and, and I'm not well versed in football, but because of my reporting about Qatar, I was um, I was uh, compelled to delve into the the power politics of football. And the uh, two representatives of the ruling family in Qatar uh, sought to buy Manchester United for one figure was over six billion dollars. Uh, and the family that owns Manchester United is an American family, uh, the Glaziers that own the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
And shortly after the uh, massacre on October 7th in southern Israel, um, the Qataris, uh, that is uh, Sheikh Yassam and his father, Hamid bin Yassam, who was the former foreign minister and prime minister of Qatar, withdrew their bid. And we think, and this is what I wrote about in the article, that it had something to do with the the fact that um, the Glazer family, because they're uh, American Jews, were concerned about uh, Qatar's anti-Semitism and the anti-Semitism of one of the buyers um, who said that if the roughly if the Jews were invo- controlled the or were involved in selling oil, the prices would be much higher. And this statement came out before the massacre, and I had been reporting about it, and I contacted the Glazer and the family and asked them about it. And obviously, Qatar has been charged with enabling terrorism for for many many years, uh, whether Al Nusra order or um, the Islamic State or or even Iran's IRGC, and now of course Hamas. So that might have played a key role in the decision of the Qataris to withdraw their bid because the Glaziers uh, decided to uh, announce. Again, this wasn't made public that they weren't going to sell to the Qataris. The Manchester Evening News did report on my article, and the reporter implied or suggested that the fact that there's this anti-Semitism came into play here that might have been one reason the deal collapsed, and that maybe all that it would have taken. Now I understand that when certain Middle Eastern countries buy football clubs, they use that as a way to influence the local population in whatever country they've bought that football team. Can you explain a bit more about that? You you put it in the article very eloquently. Right. Well, Qatar owns um, a a French football team. um, And uh, I guess not too far from where you are in Paris. Um, And um, that team is, 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 I was told from a French, former French intelligence official, Mark Eichinger, who's very... um, um, has a deep expertise on Qatar's uh, financing of terrorism and its uh, use of influencing uh, or influence peddling operations to win over sort of the hearts and minds of the of of sections of the intelligentsia in the countries where they operate. And with their team in in Paris, um, the Qataris use the VIP room, according to Mark Eichinger, who I quote, whom I quoted, to um, sort of you know, smother journalists and attention and provide, uh, you know, very expensive seats so they can watch the football match. And at the same time, the expectation is as part of this quid pro quo that journalists will provide uh, good coverage of Qatar. And Qatar's former prime minister, as I mentioned, HBJ, that's his initial, Hamid bin Yassam, told the Kuwaiti Kuwaiti outlet last year that they have journalists on their payroll some of whom went on to become MPs in their uh, national parliaments. He didn't name names, but uh, he did openly acknowledge it. So that's what, I mean, the the, the level of Qatar's um, influence operation in Western countries is very broad. It's enormously vast. And there have been documentaries, for example, Arta um, has done a documentary on Qatar's influence in, in uh, Europe, and uh, of course, they they were involved Qatar recently in bribing European lawmakers in the uh, in Brussels as part of a, a scandal. So it goes on and on and on. And um, but football 
is one way they uh, try to what's called sport wash their image. Sport washing is the term um, similar to what I guess Adolf Hitler did during the 1936 Olympics in Berlin, where he tried to present uh, the Hitler movement as something uh, progressive and 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 uh, enlightened, and um, and use the Olympics as as a way to sport wash his country's uh, repression of minorities. Well, I guess that's been stopped in its tracks. At least it's stopped been stopped from going forward in a in a fairly big way. Manchester United is a big name in football, and and football is very big in, in Europe now. Also, this week we learned that some people in the U.S. think Qatar is is an enemy that is posing as an ally. I found that comment comment rather interesting. W- what do you make of that? Right. There, there have been a number um, of articles in the Wall Street Journal. Um, I just saw an article in Newsweek uh, that an editor sent to me, um, Josh Hammer, um, about Qatar being a state sponsor of terrorism. And then uh, Egal Carmone spoke on uh, Eric Shawn's program on Fox News about uh, Qatar, as, as you just mentioned, pretending to be an ally, but is really an enemy of the West. Um, and I think that that neatly captures what Qatar's MO is to um, sort of cajole and uh, present itself as this very sophisticated Gulf country that's that's heavily modernized, enormously wealthy, and has it managed to bring some Western universities uh, onto its uh, onto the peninsula where it's based. And although these universities can't, of course, uh, teach uh, gay rights or or uh, promote, uh, you know, women's rights. It's it's uh, there, there's a, a strong, rigid censor, um, and that's why I think this duplicitous nature of the regime um, is starting to bubble to the surface, and people realize that we're dealing with um, a regime that's hoodwinked. I think um, the 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 governments of uh, Germany, France. United States and the list goes on through its its behavior, but mainly because it's it, it's spending hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars, and um, and of course bribery is an internal part of that uh, um, process of, of of allocating funds, whether to universities or to journalists or to uh, businesses. Now, but now, I, I should to... say, Simon, oh, sorry. that I sorry, wanted to sorry. say what's dangerous about this regime, and this is what I think will be coming out over the next few months, is the regime is largely grounded in a Muslim Brotherhood ideology. And the Muslim Brotherhood was founded in Egypt in, in the late 1920s. And this organization, which uh, the great, the greatest Middle East historian of all time, Bernard Lewis, classified as a highly dangerous organization, is banned in certain countries like Egypt and in many Arab countries. And the Qatar, however, promotes the Muslim Brotherhood ideology. And the Muslim Brotherhood ideology animated in many ways Osama bin Laden and many of the um, sort of um, genocidal Islamic terrorists that we see um, operating today. And, uh, we, and, we, we uh, should point out, as a matter, matter of his, his historical note, that the Muslim Brotherhood sided with the Axis, which included the, the German Nazis and the, many of the more German uniforms during, during World War II, which is not exactly a badge of honor for anyone. 
Correct. That, that's an excellent point. And, and that's Qatar. You know, Qatar is drowning in this Muslim Brotherhood ideology and exports its Muslim Brotherhood ideology to mosques and Islamic centers across Europe and to the United States and also through its charities. Um, and this, I think, is the, the next big story to be uh, written about is how Qatar is um, exporting its Muslim Brotherhood ideology. And, and it's important to note Hamas in the Gaza Strip is just an offshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood. In fact, Hamas is the Muslim Brotherhood in the Gaza Strip. Uh, the Muslim Brotherhood ideology animates uh, Hamas, and um, that somehow has, I think, um, somehow been relegated to an inferior status during the uh, coverage of Hamas um, in this war. So it's just one of the one of the many, many tentacles of terrorism emanating from Tehran in some way, but getting all over the Middle East. Thank you very much, Ben Weinthal, author at Fox News Media and the Jerusalem Post and other distinguished publications. I'm Simon Constable. This is Constable Confidential, and that's it. <laughs>